Hi, yeah, I'm Crystal, one of the elders here at Central. And this morning we are continuing our All In series on rebuilding the walls, looking a bit more closely at what it really means to be part of the Central Church family, part of the vision here at Central. And this morning I'm going to be taking us through generous giving. And I can hear you groaning right now. Yes, you. Um, and maybe you're thinking something like, ah, oh, here we go again. I've heard this one before. Maybe not. I want to challenge you that if you are serious about following Jesus, about living a life like Jesus, if you are serious about the work of justice, then stay with me because that's what this is about this morning. So we've been looking at the theme of rebuilding the walls, inspired by the book of Nehemiah and the Old Testament, because we know that as our city suffers the impact of this pandemic, it will need rebuilding. And we really believe here at Central that that's our job first as the church, before the government, before the city council, before other charities and organizations, it's our job. And one of those tools that is going to help us rebuild the walls of our city is generosity. So let's get stuck in. I'm reading from um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11 from the NIV. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, first of all, you might be asking the question, what is generosity really? It's one of those words that gets thrown around a lot. Um, so we all have different incomes. Is generosity the same for all of us? How do you measure generosity? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, has this to say about trying to measure generosity. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. 
If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Wow. Does that sound a bit over the top to you, a bit extreme? I want to suggest that it's not. For one, it reminds me of David in the Old Testament when he had it on his heart to build a house for God. And he said, I won't give to the Lord my God that which cost me nothing. It reminds me of the teachings of Jesus all throughout the Gospels and one particular time when he was sitting in the temple observing those who were giving offerings into the offering boxes and the wealthy were going by and dropping a little bit of the great much that they had. And then this poor widow comes along and also gives only a very little, but it was all that she had. And Jesus said that her offering was worth more than anyone else had given because she had given all that she had out of the love of her heart. These verses in 2 Corinthians talks about um, the joy of giving. And when we read something like C.S. Lewis's statement, um, we think cutting back on our comforts and our luxuries in order to be generous, it, where's the joy in that, we think? Um, but these verses in 2 Corinthians talks about being a cheerful giver. It talks about the joy of giving. And um, an example of this, I work with 24-7 prayer. And we have an annual gathering um, every year where um, people who are part of the movement get together from all across the world. And um, a highlight of those several days together is the final night where we have a big feast and then the auction. And the purpose of the auction is to raise funds for individuals and communities within the movement who are struggling or have a big project that they don't have the money for. An example would be our community in Manenberg, South Africa, who work with young men and women to get them off the streets, off of drugs, out of gang violence, teach them a trade, get them back on their feet. And they had just um, opened up their home for young women, but they needed to furnish it. So at our auction, we raised funds um, to uh, furnish this home for young women in Manenberg, South Africa. Now, you have to understand the majority of us in 24-7 prayer don't have much money. Um, many of us are like myself. We don't we aren't salaried. We raise our own support so that we can give ourselves to full-time ministry in 24-7. And a lot of us save throughout the year just to get to the gathering. But we cannot wait for the auction to pull our little bit of money, for some of us, all that we have left with our friends from around the world to raise funds for something like seeing young women get out of gang violence and off the streets. Um, there is so much joy. We are bidding for the most ridiculous things, t-shirts, knitted items, slippers, um, and we raise thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pounds. 
I have a pair of knitted slippers. They don't look like much. But this is because a bunch of us from Scotland uh, bid several thousand pounds. Um, and this is what we got for it. There is so much joy. It is hilarious, ridiculous, wasteful giving. But it's about expanding the kingdom. And there is so much joy in that. That's what Paul is talking about in these verses in 2 Corinthians. The New Testament church displayed this kind of generosity. And I think it's easy for us sometimes to view the New Testament church through kind of rose-tinted glasses. Um, and we tend to think they didn't get anything wrong. That's not true. They made loads of mistakes. They had loads of issues. There's probably a reason Paul is writing these instructions to the Corinthian church about generosity. However, what the New Testament church did get right was powerful, and it slowly transformed the culture and society around them. And this is why. You see, they didn't live normal lives with a few kingdom values and principles thrown in, but rather their entire way of life was oriented around the kingdom and mission of God as taught and modeled by Jesus himself, a way of life that was radical, countercultural, and it was driven not by duty or fear, but by love. They knew who their God was, and they were loved by him, and that they had a purpose in him, to make his love known to others. And this shaped and informed their entire way of life, including their finances. Their way of life challenged the current regime. It convicted the current government and government officials. An example of this is that, um, see, at, at that time during the New Testament church, um, there was no middle class. You were either wealthy or you were poor. And the majority of the New Testament church were poor. And they lived amongst the poor. And so many of the poor of other cultures, um, when they would have a new baby and it was just too much strain on the family, they would just leave the child abandoned on the side of the road or on the corner of a building, um, exposed to, to die from the elements. And so the New Testament church would go around and collect these abandoned babies and families within the church would adopt these babies as their own. Now, these families didn't have any more money than the families who abandoned those babies in the first place. But the church as a whole had a central fund of money that would go to help these families raise these babies. This central fund of money is what helped care for the widows, feed the hungry. Where did that money come from? It came from every church member who gave faithfully, consistently. Yes, every now and then they took up these one-off offerings, like, you know, they got wind of a new church plant starting in another city and they would want to bless them so they'd take up a special offering. But this day-to-day, -day, week to week ministry to their cities, their communities, their neighbors, to the poor came from a central fund 
that was funded by consistent, weekly, um, committed, faithful giving of the members of the church. What does that look like for us here at Central? Well, we are seeking to make the love and hope of God known to our city, to rebuild its walls through ministries like Soul Food, our new cafe, the clothes bank, our counseling services, the cap center, the food bank. But how is all of that made possible? By you, me, our faithful, consistent giving. But here's the thing. If our perspective of generosity and giving is limited to those one-off um, moments where we give to something like Just Christmas or Project Pants or when IJM comes to visit and takes up an offering, then ministries like what we are trying to do to rebuild the walls of our city are going to struggle those day-to-day, week-to-week of caring for the poor and the marginalized and the vulnerable in our city. Those ministries are going to struggle if we, you and me, are not giving consistently committedly, faithfully. And I'm going to go back again to what we believe as central, that it's our role as the church first to take care of our city, to rebuild its walls. I think for too long that we as the church have been whinging about what the government should be doing about how the government should be doing more and giving more. And we're frustrated with broken systems that don't work very well. You guys, it's time for us to stop whinging and just get on with it and do the job ourselves. Yes, as the church, we should always be the voice of conscience to our governments. Yes, but in the meanwhile, let's stop whinging. Let's get on with it. Let's be the ones that lead the way, that model what committed, faithful giving and generosity looks like. What it looks like for us, going back to what C.S. Lewis said, for us to be willing to sacrifice our little comforts, our little little things that we like to fill our lives with, that we are willing to sacrifice those things um, for the sake of our city, for the sake of the poor, for those who are struggling, both our own and those all across the city. And maybe, like the New Testament church, we will end up living such a radical countercultural lifestyle of generosity that it convicts our government and prompts them into greater action. Yeah. So I'm going to close there. And just some questions I want to encourage you to take away with you. Um, Take it into the presence of Jesus. Um, Because it's like Paul says here, don't give out of compulsion. Give cheerfully out of the love of your heart for God and for others. So take this with you into the presence of Jesus. Number one, ask, ask Jesus. Where has my perspective of giving and generosity been influenced maybe more by my culture and my society than scripture? How does this biblical perspective of generosity and giving as part of a lifestyle that is oriented around the kingdom of God challenge me? Number two, 
Has my giving been committed and consistent or more sporadic? Is Jesus talking to me about that today? If so, what's a practical step that I can take this week to make my giving committed and consistent? And lastly, what would potentially cause me to hesitate, maybe even block me from living this kind of radically generous lifestyle? Is it fear? Is it a need to feel con in control of my finances and my circumstances so that um, I can feel secure? What might be Jesus's invitation to me today to step past that fear, out of that fear, past those obstacles, into this joyous, freeing, life-giving, radical generosity that is a way of life in the kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to live like you. Jesus, we, we don't want to just have a few of your values um, thrown into our lives, but Jesus, we want our entire lives to be oriented around you and your kingdom and the ways of your kingdom. So Father, we invite you right now that where our thinking and our lifestyles have not been aligned with your kingdom values, would you show us that and show us how to bring them back into alignment with your kingdom values? Would we hear this call and this invitation to a way of life that is oriented around you and your kingdom? Would we hear the adventure in that? And would you give us courage to accept that invitation? Holy Spirit, would you give us courage this morning to yield to you those areas we need to yield, including our finances and all the stuff that comes around our finances, whether it has to do with sense of security, image, whatever it is for each one of us. Would you help us to yield those things to you that we can experience the life and the joy and the freedom of living according to your kingdom way of life. In Jesus' name, amen.